0: Hello and welcome to TOSB Conversations. I'm your host, Danish, And today we have a wonderful guest today. Let me just tell you a bit about him. He's the founder of Renewalism, Sandeep Nath. He's best defined as an inner power coach running interventions that results in people rising to and sustaining their higher potential. He founded and ran a successful strategy consulting company before heading to the Himalayas in search of the purpose of our lives and the drivers of consciousness. Sandeep, welcome to TUSB Conversations. Thank you,
1: Danish. It's an absolute honor to be here.
0: So, you know, uh, before when we got into this podcast, we were discussing uh, that, you know, how can people benefit from your knowledge? And we decided that, you know, that today's podcast uh, to all our listeners who are listening to wherever they get their podcast on is called how workplace stress is impacting your business and profitability. Now it's it's slightly heavier topic, but uh, Sandeep had promised that he'll just break it down easily for us. So for for all of us to understand that how can you maximize your potential. So Sandeep, my first question right. to you. Let's let's get into the conversation. How does you know workplace stresses? It affects it company's overall performance and profitability. You know, on one hand, you're talking about that. Uh, an organization should go, grow leaps and bounds, but what are the things which are required for, uh, for the people working there and for the leadership to keep in mind that that happens?
1: Yes. So like you said, this topic sounds a little heavy because people don't immediately relate workplace stress with profitability. Now stress is something like a termite Danish. It's not something that you see visibly right in front all the time and can do something about. It's just gnawing away at the back and making us foundationally weaker. Now, what's the foundation of an organization? The foundation of an organization is people. And what's stress? Stress, classically defined, Danish, is when the demands are greater than the resources. So now there could be multiple reasons why demands are greater than resources for people. The current scenario of layoffs and resignations uh, could make people do more work than they are supposed to or they had uh, you know uh, bargained for. And then people have their own fears. They have their perceptions about what could be happening and they close it down. They uh, are afraid to to give everything that they've got. Then there is another problem of projections. People project things like false deadlines or not cooperating with others. And uh, those create greater demands than they actually are. And sometimes we just don't have the right priorities in sync. And so all of this results in the team performance and individual performance coming down. And essentially, if you look at everything I mentioned now, it's about people being unprepared for the kind of changes that are happening, for the kind of expectations that organisations are starting to have for them, for the flux in the economy and in the uh, way uh, nature of business, uh, the changing nature of business, and this 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 state of being unprepared. Well, I'm going to quote uh, this uh, this guy uh, Bobby Unsa, who's uh, a race car driver, and he said, "Success is where preparation and opportunity meet." Now, if your people are unprepared, in fact, there's another quote by Benjamin Franklin, which is um, a lot more popular, by failing to prepare, you're preparing to fail. So in both cases, if you want to succeed, if you don't want to fail as an organization, then you've got to make sure that that preparation is strong. So whatever opportunities come up, people are in the mind frame to recognize them and you succeed and you're well prepared to make the most of those opportunities so stress what it's doing like a termite out there is uh, bringing down the people's capacity to recognize opportunities and give their best and you really don't know what all you are missing and how profitability is coming down it's like you know uh, unless you do a diagnostic which is something that uh, i do uh, within organizations, we have assessment tools so without the diagnostic, what's happening is it's like that that frog in that in a tank, which is on uh, uh, on on uh, a fire. and the, the the fire keeps making the water in the tank warmer and warmer, and for, <laughs> for, for some time the frogs inside enjoy it because it's like a heated pool and it's good fun. But when it gets so hot that they're not able to jump out, that's where stress starts taking its toll. That's where the frogs actually boil to death. That's what burnout is all about. And we want to avoid that. I mean, it's directly related to uh, profitability if, uh, let's say, your co-founder burns out. That's terrible and it's happening to so many startups. So there is a very strong linear relationship between these two, which we've got to start appreciating and doing something about, Anish.
0: But you're talking about stress. There are, you know, some people I've heard saying that you know some stress is okay. Yeah. But is, is that okay, or that's also not acceptable?
1: Well, that's a great point you bring up here, because again, going back to the definition, stress is when the demands exceed the resources. So unless we impose certain demands, we are not going to develop the resources or develop the uh, mental muscle or the physical capacity to take on more. And this stress is good stress because it's being done voluntarily. We're taking the run, for example, physically. We're doing the crossword puzzles, for example, mentally. So we're doing it because we want to build capacity. And that's great as long as it stays voluntary. It's called eustress. But the moment it goes beyond like that boiling frog, he doesn't know when that warm pool has become uh, something that he cannot possibly jump out of. And that's, that's something that happens very subtly at a time without diagnostics, you don't know when it's happening, how deep you are in that uh, in that hot water, literally, and it becomes distress. It becomes involuntary, and distress is very very harmful.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so now that that makes uh, you know your point makes it clear. Now at this point, could you share some in signs and symptoms of workplace stress that leaders may overlook? and they feel that oh this is absolutely fine, you know what my strategies mm-hmm. and techniques. What do you recommend for them? How do you proactively go there and and address this issue? Where you realize, okay, the frog is there, and the water <laughs> has just and the water has just reached its boiling point.
1: Yes, that's a very
0: practical question.
1: And um, what I do, Danish, is I work on the body, mind, spirit aspects. Like you introduced, I'm an inner power coach. So bringing body, mind, and spirit into alignment is very important for optimal performance. We'll talk more about that a little later, perhaps. But just to give you signs that leaders should look out for, what happens at the body, at the physical level, is we have this propensity to label things wrongly. And very often we give medication to bring the symptoms down rather than solve the problem. Like, you know, common colds, uh, gastric trouble, constipation, diarrhea, either way, recurring headaches going on, migraines, palpitations, pains of various sorts, insomnia, shivers. People may talk about this with their colleagues, people may even talk about this with their uh, seniors, and they, they, they are labeled wrongly as a, a condition, a physical condition that a pill can solve, and so we suppress the signs of stress. Mentally, there are behavioral signs of stress, there are attitudinal signs of stress, which we again label wrongly, and we say that, uh, like for instance, agitation or irritation or, or low self-esteem, uh, Mood swings happens very often. People fidgeting around, restless, forgetfulness, a lack of focus. These are all all mental signs which are visible. But we just say, hey, he is like that. You know, that's his attitude. He's always like that. Well, he's not always like that in other environments. And at the spirit level, which is more subtle, we tend to think that that's a habit that the person has. He is a lonely sort of person. He always or she always procrastinates. She she's an alcoholic substance abuse, or relationship issues, or avoiding responsibilities. We we just typecast people, instead of realizing that they're not always like that in other environments. They're like that in our environment, and that's the problem. We've got to do something about it because the person is stressed. And so if we're looking for these signs at the body, mind, spirit level, we are in a position to recognize the stress in people early you know, what we must not do is we must not automate this process of finding this out. Very many organizations think that uh, getting into appifying things and uh, using technology to get people to, to to sort of do various things, and then we have a, a, a database of what people are doing and we can monitor them. That's not the right way to go. It sounds like an efficient way to go, but it's not because stress relates to energy in fact stress and energy play tug of war either stress can win or energy can win and we get energy from each other we don't get energy from a from machine from an app so we need people people don't need information people need the energy of somebody else they need to be taught how to self-empower themselves they need to cultivate inner power habits they they need to know how to bring the body mind spirit in alignment and there are there are practices which go back 4000 years which we've always known stuff called chi gong which is energy work working with energy which gives you that sort of communion and makes team dynamics easy makes personal dynamics easy just to understand that we need people's energy to bring down stress right
0: yeah, because you, you you talked about something which which is there for the last 4000 years but this one question just came to my mind is that then why did we suddenly shift to technology for measuring stress that you fill up a questionnaire, you do a number of things on a Thursday evening, come attend a session, and you'll be okay? Where did <laughs> then, <laughs> my, uh, you... are what, hitting me where it hurts,
1: <laughs> Danish? <laughs> <laughs> but that's what renewal is about. You know, in the design of uh, modern life and business, we forgot about so much of ancient wisdom that we've always had. And in in the in the uh, belief, the passionate belief that technology will bring us every kind of solution, we've forgotten what we were used to do for each other. We've forgotten what it's like to be a good neighbor, to be a good colleague. We've just cubitalized ourselves and we spend more time with a screen than we do with another person. And that itself um, stresses us out. And mm-hmm. then uh, we kind of use another screen to measure how much stress it's, if the number isn't important the point is we've got the sign and we got to do something about it so making that change is something that comes when we go back and we renew with the ancient wisdom
0: right okay now going to my next question and we live and we all agree that you know this this world which we live in is quite fast paced business world so but how can yep. you you know how can a leader strike a balance between say productivity and well being Any examples that come to your mind for your own experiences working with CXOs on stress management specifically?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Great question there because productivity, when you say productivity, what is that? It is is maximizing the output per hour, whether it's of a machine or it's of a person. And why does a person give their maximum? Because the hour is going to be the same. That's going to be 60 seconds, whatever happens. The energy that's invested in that hour is what can change. And energy is what we have in our control. So one of the things that works uh, very well is uh, a pattern interrupt. In fact, I have a hack which I call uh, SMILE, and I'm going to give that to our uh, listeners today. The SMILE is a hack which is five things that you could do. Most of them you could do every hour and replenish yourself. The S, of course, is not something you do every hour. The S is sleep. Sleeping six to eight hours in a 24 hour cycle is absolutely critical. That is when we recharge ourselves. I mean, if we think it's important for our cell phones, we better think it's important for us. So uh, without that recharge, we do not get back the energy that we expend during the day. Now, uh, traditionally, this is called the yin energy, which we get inside and the yang energy, which we expend. But without getting into those those technicalities of the yin-yang, the point is that when we replenish ourselves, we replenish the working systems of the hormones, the uh, endocrinol glands, the enzymes, the entire metabolic activity. And uh, the, the cellular repair happens only when we sleep. So if we compromise that, big problem. The M is about... Being in awareness, now you might wonder how being in awareness is with an M. That's because that's my definition of the word meditation. Often we think meditation is about sitting on a cushion for 15 minutes, 20 minutes, half an hour. Nope. It's about just being in awareness of whatever you're doing. And what I recommend is every hour by the clock, setting an alarm, and this works extremely well for all levels, whether it be a janitor or a CEO, just stop whatever you're doing. In team meetings, stop what the team is doing at the top of the hour and take three breaths, three deep breaths, breathing in five seconds, breathing out five seconds. Do it thrice, that's a 30 second break. But that 30 seconds that you invest there is going to replenish your energy. It's going to give you more oxygen so your body's happier. It's going to make you uh, calmer and relaxed so your mind is uh, uh, better uh, uh, operational. And it's going to bring energy and peace into whatever you do. So your mood changes. In fact, uh, it's a pattern interrupt. Uh, so your overthinking mind gets trained. And what you do along with this is uh, get up, shake about a little, um, maybe twist, turn, and go and get yourself a glass of water from the water cooler or the fridge, wherever you are. And that is the I part, you know, you uh, you ingest something, in fact, you keep taking in water throughout the hour. And even when you have food, you make sure that you chew it so much that your stomach is not pressed. So you don't stress your stomach. Whatever energy is got to give you, you use all of it rather than letting your stomach hog up half the energy and then you're depleted of half of it for the rest of the uh, mental and physical activity that you have. So the I is for ingesting through hydration and uh, good proper chewing of natural food. The L is for laughing, Danish, and this is very important. This is uh, about community. This is about getting together. This is about loosening the tension that we keep in the joints. Sometimes you must have <laughs> seen that if we laugh uh, a lot, uh, the stomach hurts. And, and uh, you, uh, you know, if you've felt that, listeners, uh, it hurts because you're not used to laughing. If you keep the system well-oiled, it will be stress-free. So laughing is a great exercise and uh, is a great diversion, actually. And this SMILE, the E is for exercise, which is, again, something that you do at the top of every hour. And it's not a lot of exercise. It's just walking to the cooler. It's twisting, turning, bending, changing, giving a pattern interrupt physically as well. You give it mentally and you give it physically. These five hacks, Danish, SMILE, sleeping, meditating, ingesting, laughing, and exercise have proven mm. time after time that yeah. whether it's 10 a.m. or 10 p.m., we're on the top of our energy.
0: is it one challenge which I see that people might have because we we are so um, instant mode all the time, right, that we want the result instantly. You take a membership mm. of a gym, you exercise for three days, and you feel like, oh, and you, you will suddenly see posts all over social media, first day of exercise, second day of exercise, and then it's <laughs> gone, right? that's happened now with the same thing with smile how long do you feel a person should do it and they'll start realizing it is it instant or after a couple of days or after a couple of months uh, when it absolutely, becomes a habit um,
1: absolutely instantly in the third hour and uh, you know to make a habit of it what i recommend is setting a phone alarm so every hour the alarm brings in your phone you drop everything and do it and when you start doing this, in three, four hours, you will feel that you have more energy than you had uh, on any other day in the past. It'll give you that that instant gratification. And then uh, by the time you are about three, four days into this, you won't need the phone alarm anymore because you would have biohacked your body. Uh, so your bio clock will tell you when to take that break.
0: It's very interesting because I mean, that was the first thought which came to my mind that, you know, do I have to wait for a month to see the results? Because that's what your gym trainer will tell you, you do this and then you will see the results. But <laughs> if, we, yeah.
1: if we had the time, I would have taken listeners through a 30 second break right now and they would yeah. feel
0: it. Yeah, I think what we can do just like whoever is listening right now, just take three beds and you will feel the difference. Now, coming back to my question on, you know, what are these key insights or strategies that Leaders should be aware of to create a uh, let's say, a healthier and a more productive work environment for themselves and the team. let's
1: let's see, I, i'm uh, I'm going to give you three things, which is uh, the ABC in terms of insights and strategies for a healthier and more productive work environment. And the A is alignment. Now, we've talked about the body-mind-spirit alignment, right? And when when we have those in alignment, it's just to give you guys an example. The sound of stress is like the sound of a car uh, in which the, the gear, the clutch, and the accelerator are out of alignment. And you know, if you release the clutch uh, too slowly and you press the accelerator, you get this grrrr sound, this terrible harsh yeah. sound. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the engine in stress, under stress. The, the exact thing happens very silently within us. When our uh, when our bodies are doing something, our minds are saying something else. What we're thinking is what comes. Let's say I, I'm doing a, a podcast, right? So we are doing this recording right now. But my mind is uh, thinking of a presentation that I have this evening. The kind of stuff that I would be telling you, my, my mind might wander somewhere, and then I might wonder, did I answer that right? And sub- somewhere in my subconscious, the stress pattern starts. Oh, oh, I've got to get back here. Oh, God, there's too much to do. Oh, God, I'm not going to have time to make that presentation. And all of that. And then I feel, which is the being level. So it's a three-level uh, thing, you know, the saying, the doing, and the being, which is the innate feeling. I start feeling different, and that gives rise to uh, more secretions, more adrenaline, more, uh, more stuff that then takes me into a, a vicious cycle that uh, uh, releases all sorts of harmful chemicals. So, coming back to the corporate context, this alignment between body, mind and spirit, uh, between saying, doing and being, is between people, purpose and process. You see, people are the body of an organization. Processes are the mind of an organization. And purpose is the spirit, what drives an organization. And what we like to do is make sure that people, purpose, process are aligned at every level. That's very, very important. The second is B for balance. And balance is the balance between voluntary and involuntary. Remember you asked me about um, eustress and distress. Yeah. Now, when, when we can convert anything that is distressing us into Accepting it and uh, preparing for it, we can convert a distress into a eustress. We can change the nature of relationships. We can change the nature of perspective. We can change the nature of uh, our own belief system. And that we do through mindfulness. So, balancing voluntary and involuntary requires some training in mindfulness and application of mindfulness as a habit. And C is a a critical insight, especially for team building, and that is connection, alignment, balance, and connection. The connection that you get, for example, through Qigong energy work is going to change team collaboration and group dynamics through energy. The energy that we don't see, the spirit, is what connects us, is what makes us feel intuitively about things, It's what gives us the gut feeling there is there is the brain which is the body there is the mind which is the heart and there is the gut which is the spirit so mm. when we want to when we want to make people uh, more capacitated with their ability to uh, intuit and uh, make quick decisions and right decisions on the fly it's because we are connecting them stronger with their innate spirit so that's that's something that we got to do in organizations um, deliberately yeah and move the people focus there
0: right absolutely i think on that note, uh, you know it's wonderful because you give us uh, you, in this podcast you've given us multiple frameworks to work with and the quickest one to remember right now is smile so you just smile and listening <laughs> to the podcast remember what sandeep just said All those things you just have to do. Sandeep, on that note, thank you very much for being part of the TUSB conversations. It is awesome. Thank you so much.